We are really getting very close to the 2022 midterm elections. And what I want to do is take a look at some of the most important races, potentially what we might call bellwether races, also potentially difference making races as far as the U.S. Senate is concerned, see where things are and talk about where we go from here. Now, a little bit later on in the program, many of you, dozens and dozens of you emailing me over the weekend about so many of the incredible debates that took place over this weekend. Marjorie Taylor Greene debating her opponent, Marcus Flowers, Herschel Walker debating Raphael Warnock, Ron Johnson debating Mandela Barnes, Carrie Lake uh, 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 in a very strange CNN interview about whether or not she would accept the results. We're going to look at all of that. But to first set the stage, let's take a look at some of what I consider to be the most important races, either because they could be the difference maker in who controls the Senate or because they have some other particular importance, like the Pennsylvania gubernatorial election. Now, I know people are going to email and say, but David, sir, you missed this race or you missed that race. And it's so important. I can't look at every race. I'm also not looking at any congressional races in this segment because it's it's very unlikely that the congressional balance will depend on one seat. And so there's just so many congressional races to look at that. I'm not doing that right now. But let's just start going down the list and see where these races stand. First and foremost, Pennsylvania governor. Pennsylvania governor matters so much because when you look at swing states for a presidential election and then you look at which of the swing states could be the sole difference maker in who becomes the next president of the United States. Pennsylvania is at or near the top of that list. And Doug Mastriano, the Republican candidate in Pennsylvania, is openly running on a big lie campaign platform. If given the opportunity, if Doug Mastriano is the governor of Pennsylvania in 2024, he gets to choose the secretary of state, which oversees the election, and he will pick someone who would be willing to just straight up try to steal Pennsylvania's electoral votes. If a Democrat wins and they don't like it, they will try to steal it for the Republican. This is an extraordinarily important race. The good news here is that Josh Shapiro, the Democratic candidate, is winning by an average of 10 points. That is a significant lead. I'm not going to say this after every one of these races, but assume nothing. Everyone must vote. This is just a reflection of where the polling today is best based on the best data we have. There's still time. Things can depart from the polling. But this one so far is looking pretty good. Josh Shapiro, there's very little to say about Josh Shapiro because he's so uncontroversial. Some might say he's milk toast. Others will say he's just a completely normal person who isn't going to try to steal any elections. This one is looking good. And we really have to hope that Josh Shapiro does win. Also in Pennsylvania is the Senate race. The Senate race is television Dr. Mehmet Oz against the lieutenant governor, uh, John Fetterman. Oz is the Republican. Fetterman is the Democrat. John Fetterman had a stroke months ago. There is now a big campaign in which Oz's campaign is participating, even if Oz himself is less overtly participating in it to basically say because of the stroke, Fetterman can't be a senator. Uh, we already addressed that last week in quite a bit of detail. The good news here is that Fetterman's winning. The bad news here is that Fetterman isn't winning by that much. Right now, it's about a three and a half point margin on average for Fetterman in recent polling. Pennsylvania is maybe the most important state in the midterms, both because of it's the Senate race 
and it's the gubernatorial. Our friends in Pennsylvania, I hope every single one of you is planning to vote. Florida. Florida has a very interesting Senate race. And again, the Senate may come down to just one seat. So every one of these big Senate races is important. Incumbent Republican Marco Rubio, kind of a pathetic character. There's just something about him that's very pathetic. He in in a bad way, not in the old philosophical sense. He is facing a challenge from Congresswoman Val Demings on the Democratic side. It's not looking great for Val Demings, but this is still potentially winnable. Rubio is up by somewhere between four and five points. We will be carrying the debate between Rubio and Demings. You know, it might have been rescheduled, so it it might be tomorrow. It might be later on in the month. Anyway, when it happens, if it does, I will carry it. Florida voters, you've got an important race there as well. Uh, Also in Florida is the gubernatorial race. And again, when we think about I mean, listen, think about Florida. Florida could be the difference maker in who becomes president in 2024. But moreover, the guy who wants to be reelected as governor, Ron DeSantis, may end up being the Republican presidential nominee in 2024. So this one is doubly important. And as I've said before, it's not looking good for Charlie Chris, the Democratic challenger. Ron DeSantis has a comfortable lead of just under eight points. That will be difficult to overcome. But listen, All of our Florida viewers should be voting regardless because of that Senate race. So when you're there, you vote for governor. We try to get Ron DeSantis out, even though it is an uphill battle. Then we go to North Carolina. This one has not gotten that much attention, but it really should because it's so close. Sherry Beasley is the Democratic nominee. Um, Ted Budd is the Republican nominee. It's almost a tie. Okay. If you look at the only polling from the last month, okay, it's a tie and the Republican plus one. And on average, including earlier polling, Real Clear Politics has this as a one and a half point lead for Ted Budd. Let's not sleep on North Carolina. And I know there's the assumption in North Carolina, the undecideds are going to turn out for the Republican and all the different things. What? What better thing do we have to do than vote? Okay, let's just let's vote and let's see where we get. But that's a race not getting as much attention. And it really should. North Carolina, you can vote for Sherry Beasley. Then we go to Wisconsin, Wisconsin. I'll be honest, I don't really know exactly where this race is going right now, because there was an absolutely humiliating debate over the weekend where the incumbent Republican Senator Ron Johnson was booed. He was openly laughed at and he bombed in his debate against challenger Mandela Barnes, who, by the way, Mandela Barnes has been a guest on this program. You can go check out in the archives on YouTube or on our website. My interview with Mandela Barnes, super smart guy. Um, Barnes crushed the debate. So all of the polling I have is at least eight days old. It has Johnson leading by just under three points. Even if that's the case today, that Johnson is leading by about three points, this one is possible. And the disastrous debate performance for Johnson over the weekend may hurt him further. So this is a very important race. This is a possible seat that can be taken from Republicans. Then, of course, we have the state of Arizona, two important races there. We covered the Arizona Senate debate. That's incumbent Democrat Mark Kelly challenged by MAGA Trumpist Blake Masters. Blake Masters is horrible and dishonest and unethical and just vile, a gross, gross guy. He 
uh, scrubbed all of the violently anti-abortion stuff from his website after the primary, but now is kind of trying to explain it away and he can't. He uh, is a big lie proponent, although he downplayed that during the debate uh, a week and a half ago with Mark Kelly. Right now, the good news is Kelly is up four and a half. The bad news is Kelly should be up 40. But Kelly was not particularly good in the debate. Kelly is not like an electric, exciting guy. Um, So if you vote in Arizona, not only do you have this Senate race, but you also have maybe even more disturbingly the Arizona gubernatorial race in Arizona. The um, incumbent governor, Doug Ducey, is leaving and there is an open seat. The Democratic nominee is Katie Hobbs. The Republican nominee is one of the most aggressively weaponized from a disinformation, big lie standpoint candidates, Carrie Lake. She is Trump endorsed. She is Trump loved right now. It pains me to say this. Carrie Lake is winning by just under one point. And the last two polls that were done, an insider advantage poll and an OHPI poll, each has Lake ahead by three. Carrie Lake is a lunatic. Again, it's sort of like if Herschel Walker were to win. If Carrie Lake wins, it is another serious humiliation for the United States. Our Arizona viewers, you in Pennsylvania, You've got a lot on your shoulders here. We really have to do everything we can to prevent Kerry Lake from winning. We then have in Ohio t- uh, J.P. Mandel, right? No, J.D. Vance versus Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan is not the best candidate. His debate performance was not exactly beautiful. But J.D. Vance is a Trump ass kisser, exactly the way that Tim Ryan described him in the last debate. And sadly, J.D. Vance is winning by just under one point. And the polling seems to be moving in Vance's favor. If you vote in Ohio, this is a big one. And then lastly, in Georgia, uh, we have oh, we, I've got to do the Herschel Walker one as well. Second to last, the state of Georgia, uh, it's incumbent Republican Brian Kemp versus challenger Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams is extraordinary. Kemp is horrible. And Kemp is winning by five. Okay, so our Georgia voters, many, many extraordinarily important races for you. And let me just get the Walker Warnock numbers up as well, because those are so important in the Walker Warnock race. And we will get to their debate a little bit later. Raphael Warnock is up by a hair over three points, but Herschel Walker is gaining on him. So Georgia. Um. And I know I didn't do Texas, Georgia, Pennsylvania and Arizona, multiple important races. I hope everybody there is voting. We'll get to the debates later in the show. Last week, the January 6th House committee investigating the Trump riots voted to subpoena the failed former president himself. Is he going to show up? Almost certainly not. Are the best legal assessments. Trump's reaction was to send a delusional 14 page letter, including pictures of the crowd on January 6th. Why on earth would you want to point fingers at that? Donald Trump was investigated and subpoenaed. Everything's legal. Everything's kosher. Every I is crossed and T dotted to quote Sean Hannity. And Trump flipped out peacefully and patriotically. He calls this letter. 
And he writes to the chairman of the January 6th committee, Benny Thompson, the same. Oh, sorry. The presidential election of 2020 was rigged and stolen. The same group of radical left Democrats who utilize their capital M majority position in Congress to create the fiction of Russia, 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 impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, the forty eight million dollar Mueller report, which ended in no collusion. Ukraine, 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 the atrocious and illegally capital S spying on my capital C campaign and so much more are the people who created this committee of highly partisan political capital H hacks and capital T thugs whose sole function is to destroy the lives of many hardworking American patriots whose records in life have been unblemished until this point of attempted ruination. Folks, that's one sentence and I'm already out of breath. Um, this goes on and on and on, and it is delusional and it blames Antifa and it blames Black Lives Matter. And it talks about Trump um, uh, having Time magazine covers and stories, and it's absolutely bonkers. And I encourage you to read all of it. It includes such lines as since 1888, no incumbent president has gained votes and lost reelection. Okay, that doesn't really tell us anything. Trump says we swept all four bellwether states, Iowa, Florida, Ohio and North Carolina, and they have correctly predicted election winners since 1896. Trump using a lot of what we don't actually call evidence that he won. It's not evidence that he won. And then he even goes on later in this completely delusional letter. Uh, and by the way, it's riddled with lies like he tried to get the National Guard out on January 6th. There's no evidence of that. None whatsoever. He goes on to talk about um, he presents evidence from Wisconsin, which we will get to. Trump includes an appendix in the letter, which has an image of Washington, D.C., I guess, on January 6th. I don't know why you would call attention to that, because your followers rioted and committed hundreds of crimes, many pictures. And then he starts talking about Arizona and Maricopa County, including lots of debunked claims that there were uh, mismatched signatures and that there was fraud and auditors found this, that and the other thing. He also cites Dr. Shiva, who's a completely conspiratorial nut job. It's completely bonkers. And when you actually take each of these claims and investigate them, you say, OK, well, let's look at Arizona. What actually happened in Arizona? You look at Arizona and you find that Almost every single one of these claims, every claim is either an outright lie or an exaggeration that the numbers were looked at. The uh, what are called overvotes were actually less significant in 2020 than in prior elections. You look at every single one of the lawsuits that was brought in Arizona and you find that some were voluntarily dismissed. For example, the Aguilera v. Fontes lawsuit. Uh, known as the original Sharpie lawsuit. It was voluntarily dismissed. The uh, second suit brought by Aguilera alleging, oh, my vote wasn't counted. I want to ca cast a new ballot. It was dismissed with prejudice on the merits. It was not an issue of standing, as many people like Mike Pillow like to claim. You just look through all the lawsuits and you see every single one of these claims Trump makes was either so baseless that it didn't go anywhere or it was evaluated by a court and it was dismissed with prejudice in many of these cases. It is a delusional letter. He goes on to talk about Georgia. We've looked at Georgia extensively. These claims are not accurate. Um, just to pick one random one of these things, 
Trump writes at least 10,300 illegally cast votes in Georgia, maybe 35,000 are from individuals who voted in the wrong county more than necessary to tip the 2020 results. Remember, some of the people that voted in the wrong county, what happened is they moved. They moved. They were registered in two places, as is common. As long as you only vote in one place and you are legally registered there, you're fine. Also, look at this margin of error somewhere between 10 and 35,000 such votes. Um, it's all lies and you can page through it. It goes on eventually to talk about Michigan. We've talked about Michigan endlessly. Pennsylvania has maybe looked at more, been looked at more closely than any other state. Wisconsin. And this is really a gish gallop of outrageous proportions. Trump so triggered by the subpoena that he sends a 14 page letter riddled with lies and pictures in response. Now, will Trump actually respond to the subpoena and show up to testify before the January 6th committee? Almost certainly not. We're linking to two articles, one from NPR called So Donald Trump has been subpoenaed. Here's what comes next. The other article from the Lawfare blog, Trump responds to January 6th committee subpoena. Almost certainly Trump will not be showing up to testify. And then the question becomes what happens next? These articles tell you we'll link to them. We'll talk about them tomorrow. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Deep Hackman. One of our sponsors is Paired, the app for couples. Every day, Paired gives you and your partner questions, quizzes, games to have fun, to stay connected, to deepen your conversations and get to know each other better. What's great about it is you don't even have to be in the same room, especially with the baby right now. My girlfriend and I are quite busy and Paired really helped us to stay connected. You get a daily question to answer. You can't see your partner's answer until you answer yourself and their questions about everything, relationship, life, intimacy, other things. And all of the exercises were developed by academic psychologists and expert relationship therapists as well. Questions like what makes you feel lucky in your relationship? Great when you want to remember and have gratitude, really great thing. What's an activity you could try together this month actually gets people thinking about things to do. It can go in really funny directions as well, but it just always feels like time well spent. Go to paired.com slash Pacman to download the app and get a seven day free trial. That's P-A-I-R-E-D.com slash Pacman for a free trial. The info is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. 
Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash Pacman Show. The link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors is all form the easiest way to design your own custom sofa. I have one from all form. Unlike other companies, all form lets you choose the fabric, the size, the shape, color, even the color of the legs. I have not one, but two all form sofas. I've had them for years. They look good as new. Definitely the most comfortable furniture I own. And it gets even cooler because all form sofas are completely modular. You can buy a sofa and if you move, you can adapt it to the new space by adding on to it or rearranging its elements. That is definitely not something you get from your typical sofa company. All form has everything from eight piece sectionals to love seats and armchairs. Everything is made in the USA using premium materials. All form makes sure that assembly is really easy. I didn't even need any tools, which is good because I have very few tools and you can keep the sofa for over three months and send it back free if you don't like it for a full refund right now. All form is giving my audience 20% off all orders at allform.com slash Pacman. That's a L L F O R M.com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman show continues to be a viewer, listener and community funded program. I would love for you to sign up on my website, joinpacman.com, where you can get access to the daily bonus show, as well as commercial free audio and video streams of the show. We're down to the end, folks, and you can use the coupon code big voting 22 to get yourself a discount. It's cheap. It's quick. The money goes directly into our operation. And uh, you get some great perks. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. Coupon code Big Voting 22. The last 48 hours have been some of the most overtly anti Semitic in the American media space than I can remember in a very long time. A little bit later, we're going to get to one of the most insane anti Semitic rants I've seen short of actual Nazis, and it came from Kanye West. That's after. But first, we have to talk about failed former President Donald Trump seemingly cracking in an authoritarian fascistic tirade against Jews, not only attacking American Jews, but warning American Jews. You'd better appreciate what I've done for you or things could get very bad. A typical anti-Semitic fascistic tirade, which I'm going to explain to you. Donald Trump went on his platform, Troth Central, known to some as Truth Social, and Donald Trump said the following over the weekend. And I do quote, no president has done more for Israel than I have. Somewhat surprisingly, however, our wonderful evangelicals are far more appreciative of this than the people of the Jewish faith, especially those living in the U.S. Those living in Israel, though, are a different story. Highest approval rating in the world, by the way, not true, could easily be prime minister. U.S. Jews have to get their act together and appreciate what they have in Israel. And here's the warning before it is too late. This is truly disgusting, disgusting. Now, first, before we get into explaining the layers of anti-Semitism here, just a sort of reality. 
the evangelical love for Israel and thus support for Republican presidents on that issue has nothing to do with Judaism and it has nothing to do with Jews. The evangelical love for Israel relates primarily to their biblical belief that if they support Israel, it will accelerate the second coming of Jesus Christ and implicit in that, depending on which version of Christianity you believe or follow, there is a rapture apocalypse. The Jews eventually do die in some versions of the story. All the Jews other than one hundred and forty four thousand of them die. It, it's bonkers. And so you should judge the evangelical support for Israel as an example of complete and utter religious insanity. It has nothing to do with what Jews like me actually care about or are concerned with. That's number one. Okay. now what Donald Trump says here is sadly a classic from the anti-Semitic tropes of history. Why aren't Jews more grateful to me for something I did for them? That is a classic, classic anti-Semitic trope. When Jews don't accept the leader's cult or the cult's leader, whichever way you want to say it, they are seen as implicitly undermining the leader and they are bad. And maybe they even need to be punished for that. Then there's also the horribly anti-Semitic idea of the good Jews versus the bad ones out in the diaspora. When we talk about the Jewish diaspora, we mean Jews around the world. And I know a lot of this stuff is new to some in our audience and and maybe unfamiliar, but that's why we're talking about it. This is a classic. This is a classic. Here are the good Jews, right? The ones either staying within their uh, shtetls or ghettos or whatever. And then sometimes if it's right wingers, the, the good Jews in Israel and then the bad Jews of the diaspora, those bad liberal Jews in the United States and the UK and France and OK, on and on and on. And then, of course, there's also the threat there. That's the other part of it. Get your act together, because, you know, people have come after Jews in the past. Things have gotten pretty bad for Jews historically in the past. You'd better get your act together and appreciate Trump before it is too late and bad things start to happen if you don't appreciate me. Now, once you get beyond the anti-Semitism, you also realize that Trump, as well as many others, have absolutely no understanding of the reality of Jews in the United States as a community with interests and priorities that are very different than those of Jews living in Israel, for example. And this goes back to the dual loyalty anti-Semitic trope. There's this idea that, okay, listen, if you uh, if your parents or grandparents came to the U.S. from Italy or from Germany or from Portugal, there is not this thing that follows you around about mm, you might still have loyalty to Portugal. If it came down to it, do you choose the U.S. or do you choose Portugal or whatever the case may be? And with Jews, even Jews who have never been to Israel, there is this idea of dual loyalty. Well, I don't know. Here's what's good for the U.S. and here's maybe what's good for Israel. And these American Jews can't really be trusted because they they have a loyalty to Israel that might override. Most Jews have never even been to Israel, don't even follow the, the, the politics uh, of Israel, internal or foreign policy. Understand that anti-Semitism, while proclaiming that you love Israel, is a standard of the evangelical right. And it's definitely a standard of MAGA. So a disgusting comment from Trump 
but nothing compared to Kanye West. I have never seen anything like what I am about to play for you. Kanye West went on something called drink champs and delivered one of the most anti-Semitic rants against the Jewish people that I have ever seen in the sort of modern media era short of actual Nazis. And it's basically there. Kanye West in controversy lately. I won't go through the entire thing. He's a musical artist. He was recently wearing White Lives Matter gear. And then he went on uh, the Tucker Carlson show and said a whole bunch of stuff, including anti-Semitic stuff, which got cut out, but which we ultimately obtained and looked at last week. Let's go through this. And I'm telling you, I have I have not seen anything like this in the modern era, short of from over white supremacist Nazis. Let's just jump right in and I will stop it and talk about some of the things he says. Uh, we made the White Lives Matter tease. <laughs> and then when I put up the, the tweet, the DEFCON tweet, now nah, he ain't he ain't releasing the tea because mm. he's Jewish. Mm. And I'm like, see, this is my exact point that I'm mm. making. Mm. Like Jewish people have owned the black voice. What? Jewish people have owned the black voice. You know, it's interesting because Kanye's recent thing over the last few years ha- has been black folks have no one to blame but ourselves for slavery, which is like a crazy thing to say. But now all of a sudden he's actually found something better. His first thing was black folks. We should just blame ourselves for everything bad. Now he's actually saying, oh, you know, it's Jews. Let's blame Jews. Um, The truth is Jewish folks have been one of the premier partners for black folks in the United States to demand and obtain equality, rights, self-determination. Jewish folks have been killed, in fact, defending and supporting black folks. Remember the movie Mississippi Burning? But the murders of black rights activists in Mississippi, sometimes people see the names and they get confused because the victims were James Cheney and Andrew Goodman and Michael Schwerner. And people will look at that and say, Goodman and Schwerner, those aren't exactly typical black names. That's right. They were Jewish men from New York City because the uh, uh, Jewish activists were so intertwined with the civil rights movement. The history is so intertwined. Kanye is way off track. Now, let's continue. Mm. Whether it's through us wearing a Ralph Lauren shirt. Okay. Ralph Lauren shirts. So I realize that for me, all this stuff, I'm familiar with every one of these things. But for a lot of people, they don't know what Ralph Lauren. What do you mean? Why Ralph Lauren? Ralph Lauren, the designer, was born Ralph Lifshitz, a Jewish guy from New York City. So. Kanye says wearing Ralph Lauren, it's another way in which Jews are controlling us. Well, why not Tommy Hilfiger? I mean, black folks like other people also wear Tommy Hilfiger. Well, Tommy Hilfiger isn't Jewish, so it's not interesting to Kanye. Ralph Lauren is Jewish, so that is more interesting. Or it's all of us being signed to a record label or having a Jewish manager or being signed to a Jewish basketball team. What is a Jewish basketball team? He doesn't mean an Israeli. I mean, there's an Israeli professional basketball league. That's not what he means. Does he mean a team where the owner is Jewish or the general manager or what? What is, what is a Jewish basketball team? And, you know, there is this for people who care about this stuff. There is a very important historical story about how Jews were pushed into certain professions. There were all sorts of industries in which Jews were just not allowed to participate. 
And what happened was there was a period where the industries Jews were allowed to participate in were the ones wherein the the sort of learning and training could kind of happen on your own, like a bunch of a bunch of Jews not allowed to do a whole bunch of other stuff. They could get together and talk about you know whatever. Is it the law? Is it whatever? And so the very discrimination against Jews created an environment in which Jews were pushed towards certain industries. The conspiracy to control those industries is where it gets completely anti-Semitic. But there is a discrimination history that talks about and explains why you saw Jews push towards certain industries. Anyway, this stuff is really nuts. Or doing a movie on a Jewish platform like Disney. Okay, what is a Jewish platform like Disney? Walt Disney was not only not Jewish, he had a reputation for being very anti-Semitic. Walt Disney. So I don't know how it's now a Jewish platform like the current president of Disney is Bob Chapek. Maybe he's Jewish. I don't know. I don't know whether Kanye knows that Uh, it's it's really nuts. And we understand it's like I I, I respect what the Jew Jewish people have done. And what have they done? They brought their people together. You know, they came into money uh, through the lawyers. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. When uh, after Wall Street, when um, what does that mean? After Wall Street, when all of the uh, like the Catholics, they wouldn't they wouldn't divorce people. So that's truly bonkers. Jewish lawyers came into money by divorcing people when the Catholics wouldn't. I, I found no evidence of that. So the right. Jewish lawyers came and they were willing to divorce people. That's when they first came into their money. So like, say, with me and Jay, with our our culture, with the with the darker Jews. First just, of all, because you got it. Just happens when anybody starts talking deep. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. With the yeah. dark with the darker Jews, the twelve lost tribes of, of Israel. Who- so remember, I explained this last week. This is the black Israelite stuff. Black Israelites are a group that believe they are truly the Jews. Um, it's often a very racist set of beliefs. We are because we Jewish also. We're from Africa also. We're the blood of Christ. So now if you're confused by that last line, it's bonkers. I won't even get into it. And that's just black. We are Jew, just like the Jewish people. And now we're coming into money. But the main thing is I got to drink the Ducey over the Hennessy Mm -hmm. as the first step to us coming together, like how the Jewish people came together. Mm -hmm. But we couldn't even talk about. I remember Ben Horowitz called me after 444 and said, I don't know about Jay giving up business, Jewish business secrets mm, and these secrets. Said, OK, Ben, Ben Horowitz. I oh, I mean, listen, there's no evidence that that happened. I guess it's hard to comment on something so insane. He's talking about um, building up the, uh, the, the properties and stuff like that. Yeah, on 444. these secrets can't they not finish. What he's arguing is that Ben Horowitz, who's a venture capitalist and Jewish, presumably because his last name is Horowitz, I'm assuming he's saying he called up Jay-Z when Jay-Z was starting, I guess, to make investments in real estate. I assume by Jay, he means Jay-Z and told him that's a Jewish business secret. Right. Buying real estate. That's that's a secret. Uh, I have never seen anything like this. I have never seen anything like this. And you can, of course, say, oh, it's it's simply mental illness. Well, sure. I mean, he sounds mentally ill in a lot of different ways. But he has become fixated with Jews in a way that is reminiscent of the worst of the worst of the worst anti-Semites. We will have that clip on our Instagram at David Pakman show. Hard to find a true word in that segment. Plastic is everywhere we look. 
and not enough is being done about it. One hundred billion plastic bags are used and thrown away every year. But you can help make a change. Our sponsor, Hold On, makes trash and kitchen bags that are heavy duty, plant based, non toxic and 100 percent home compostable, which means they break down in weeks rather than decades. They don't fill up our landfills. They don't pollute our oceans. Their zip seal kitchen bags come in sandwich or gallon bag sizes to fit your needs. And the best part about hold on bags is they work. I use them at home. They're just as good as all of the name brand bags. You fill them up, they stretch and they don't break. Everybody uses trash bags and freezer bags. If you care about the planet, you can do something by using hold on bags instead. And it's a really easy way to do your part to shop plant based bags and replace single use plastics all over your home. Go to holdonbags.com and you'll save 20% with the code Pacman at checkout. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pakman show's longest running sponsor is Blinkist, the app that takes thousands of nonfiction books, boils each of them down into an explainer you can read or listen to in 15 minutes. Blinkist also condenses episodes of popular podcasts into 15 minute explainers. I've been using Blinkist for years to supplement the books I read. I love reading. I, I read all the time. But there's even more books I don't have time to read. And you can often find those nonfiction books on Blinkist and consume the entire thing in 15 minutes. My favorite new feature on the app is Blinkist Connect, which lets you share your Blinkist premium account with someone else. You basically get two accounts for the price of one. And then you can also share Blinkist books and podcasts between users. I have a joint Blinkist premium account with my girlfriend Blinkist Connect lets us sync together what books and podcasts we're listening to on Blinkist sparks many interesting discussions. We just listened to Robert Greene's The 48 Laws of Power, the new version. Robert Greene, super interesting writer, find his books fascinating. You can try Blinkist free for seven days and get 25 percent off a premium subscription at Blinkist.com slash David Pakman. That's B L I N K I S T dot com slash David Pakman to get Blinkist free for seven days and 25% off a subscription. The link is in the podcast notes. All right. I know many of you have been anxiously waiting for the clips from the Herschel Walker debate and the clips from the Marjorie Taylor Greene debate. Let's get right into it. Finally, finally, Georgia Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker agreed to do a debate with the incumbent Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock. Now, Herschel Walker humiliated himself during this debate, not only with unintelligible word salads, but also by pulling out a fake police badge in a way that is historic. Saturday Night Live can't even do anything with it, because how do you make a parody of something that looks like a parody? But also, Raphael Warnock didn't do particularly well. He didn't come across as particularly passionate. He didn't come across as particularly prepared. And he refused, pr presumably deciding that he was not actually going to destroy Walker for his incredible hypocrisies and incompetence. And maybe he thought it would look better to play it a little more polite. I don't know. And we will talk about it. Here is the incredible moment in which Raphael Warnock pointed out that Herschel Walker has pretended to be a police officer and Herschel Walker pulls out a fake badge and then is admonished by the uh, uh, debate moderator, almost like he's a little kid. One thing I have not done 
I've never pretended to be a police officer. And, and, and I've, never, I've never threatened a shootout with the police. Well, and now I have to respond to that. We are, we are, we are no, moving no, no, no. on, I gentlemen. I have to respond to that. And you know what's so funny? I am work with many police officers. So he pulled out a badge there, for those of you who couldn't see. And at the same time... Mr. Walker, Mr. Walker, Mr. Walker, Mr. Walker, excuse me, Mr. Walker, please, out of respect, I I, I need to let you know, Mr. Walker, you are very well aware of the rules tonight. Yes. And you have a prop. That is not allowed, sir. I ask you to put that prop away. Well, it's not a prop. This is real. (laughs) And of course, she means a prop in the sense of the debate that they have an, an item. And he said, I but, have a problem. I never went to law enforcement. it is considered a prop, Mr. Mr. Walker. Yes. Excuse me, sir. Yes. You're very well aware of the rules, aren't you? Well, aren't he, you aware of he the rules? brought up the truth. Well, let's talk about the truth. Thank you. So listen, nobody will ever actually respond. Like you asked the Walker campaign to provide proof or whatever. There's never any explanation as to what that is. Every indication is that it's either straight up a fake badge or what would be a real honorary badge. An honorary badge is nothing. You don't flash it. An an honorary badge has no law enforcement meaning or authority behind it. It's just something you sometimes get if you do like a ride along or a walkthrough of some kind with police. Um, He also, after the debate, claimed that he trained with the FBI. And this I mean, it's Kafka esque. The the interviewer looks very closely at the badge. So when I mentioned the FBI, you know, people know I was joking, but I have trained with the FBI. Right. I, he was joking, but he did actually train with the FBI. The FBI. You know, people know I was joking, but I have trained with the FBI. I have supported my men, men, men and women in blue for years. This is not so something. So this is what you were you saying. This that? is not. This is not something that I uh, just happened to do. So they lied about it. So, so, so this was, this was yeah, Johnson that, County, yeah, Herschel Walker. Badge, and that's not just one. I have many of badges okay. that I work with. Lord. He has many badges. Now, I have to tell you guys, all of this stuff is meaningless. Like civilians don't train with the FBI. There's not even any meaning to that. They don't have any professional certification. They can't act in any way. Sometimes the FBI does what's called the familiarization when you've got an influential member of the public where you like you might do an obstacle course or something like that. You go to a shooting range. It's not training at all. And the idea that it connects to carrying a badge in any way is just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, let's get into some kind of substance, even though it wasn't very substantive. The moderators asked Herschel Walker, what is one idea you have a specific idea to reduce inflation? He just gives a word salad. You've been openly critical, blaming President Biden and the Democrats for inflation and for the economy. If elected, what is one idea, one idea that you would champion to reduce inflation? We ask you to be specific. You have 60 seconds. Good luck. Well, first of all, you have to blame this administration and Senator Warnock because within two years, this inflation has gotten worse. They are. And of course, it's gotten worse all over the world. And it doesn't seem to have anything to do with Raphael Warnock. Our energy uh, independence. They also raise taxes. Now, neither of those things are true. You look at oil exports and imports and the trade balance has not changed dramatically since Trump left. There has not been a tax increase. And at the same time, they reckless spending all our money. So he would sit here tonight and say that he's doing a good job for us. And you ask me, what is one job I would do to uh, help the inflation? First of all, we got to become independent, uh, energy independent again. And the reason why we are, 
we're going to our enemies to ask for gas and oil. And that puts us not just in an inflation problem, but it puts us in a national security problem. And I think that's something that I think Senator Warnock need to realize. And he mentioned that he grew up here in Savannah. All right. So he doesn't give an answer. He doesn't that there's no actual answer to the question. Then in another completely unintelligible moment, Herschel Walker says Americans have to get off of government health care and get on the health care that Raphael Warnock has, which is, of course, government health care. Because if you have an able bodied job, you're going to have health care. But everyone else have health care is the type of health care you're going to get. And I think that is the problem. And what Senator Warnock want you to do is depend on the government. What I want you to do is get off the government health care and get on the health care he's got. Right. Get you a better health care. Yeah. A government plan. That's that's what's fascinating. So that's what I'm trying to do to make you independent. Yep. Herschel Walker will make you independent on health care by getting you off of government health care and getting you on government health care, which will make you independent of the government. It's pretty interesting. Then here is Walker's rhetoric on abortion. And again, when he is asked about this incredible double standard wherein he claims to be against abortion, but also uh, paid for an abortion and urged the same woman to get a second abortion, it's all totally incoherent. Regardless of who wins yes. in November, will you accept the outcome? Yes. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Buck, over to you. Thank you, Tina. We turn now to the topic of abortion. We're going to start with you, Mr. Walker. A week before this debate, a former girlfriend made public accusations saying you paid for an abortion and that you encouraged her to have another. In an ABC News interview uh, this week, you said that the accusations are, quote, all lies. For the voters watching tonight, can you explain the circumstances surrounding these claims? You have 60 seconds. Well, as I said, that's a lie. And, you know, one most thing I put, I put it in a book. One thing about my life is I've been very transparent. Okay. Not like the senator. He's hid things. But at the same time, I said that's a lie. And on abortion, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe in life. Right, but you paid for the abortion. And I tell people this, Georgia is a state that respects life, and I'll be a senator that protects life. And I said that was a lie, and I'm not backing down. And we have Senator Warnock, people that would do anything and say anything for this seat, but I'm not going to back down. Back down from what? seat is too important to the Georgia people for me to back down right now. You've been vocally pro-life, supporting a ban on abortions without exceptions. Would you support a complete ban on a national level? Well, first of all, seconds. see, that's not true either. I say I support uh, the heartbeat bill, and I say I support the Georgia heartbeat bill because that's the bill of the people from Governor Kemp. And I what? Say, that has exceptions in it. I say I'm a Christian, but I'm also representing the people of Georgia, and that's who I represent. So yeah. So just continuing to say that what appears to be an obviously true story about him paying for the abortion and urging a second one isn't real, but he won't actually engage with the merits of it, which is this is the mother of one of your kids, right? Yes. Okay. so and you were at one point in a relationship with her, right? Yes. Are you denying she ever got pregnant or what? Like if it was actually subjected to some questioning, it would almost certainly fall apart. Now, two other notes on this. The moderation in this debate was a disaster. They gave easier questions to Herschel Walker, presumably because they understood he couldn't handle tougher questions. But also Raphael Warnock did not do well. And I wouldn't be shocked. Walker didn't fall apart partially because Warnock didn't bring the heat. 
And so it wouldn't shock me for the race to get closer after the debate rather than actually further apart. So disappointed in Raphael Warnock's performance. Walker's was, of course, a total disaster. Next debate that we looked at Marjorie Taylor Greene versus challenger Marcus Flowers. This one is like nothing I have ever, ever seen. First and foremost, Marjorie Taylor Greene accuses one of the journalists on the panel of being a Democrat activist, so called, because of a question he asked. Take a look at this. And we need to, what, can you tell me, give me an example? No, you do this every time we have a debate where you ask, I ask a, a question that's obvious and you're like, what do you mean? You were kicked off of your committees for saying things were controversial. You've apologized for controversial statements, right? Those types of things. What is your process for fact checking and vetting the things that you say in public? I, the, the things I say in public are the truth, and that's why they're so offensive to Democrat activists in the media, just like you. Notice how that's not an answer. That's not. Well, here's how I fact check. No, it's you're a Democrat activist for even asking that. And you're asking me a blanket question with no example. I stand by the things that I say. I stand by. Okay. She stands by it. Whatever it is, she stands by it. And of course, she said some horrible things. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene flips out when her opponent, Marcus Flowers, accuses her of fomenting the sentiment that led to January 6th by pushing uh, election big lie stuff. And then he tries to pin her down as to whether Joe Biden won. She refuses to answer. She says only that Joe Biden is the president. This is really embarrassing to almost to a person has said Marjorie Taylor Greene is not who they want representing them. So, yes, this campaign is about Marcus Flowers, <clears throat> not not MTG. Thank you. Josh, I, it's your I, turn. I need a rebuttal to that. Uh, you cannot accuse me of insurrection. I was a victim of the January 6th riot just as much as any other member of Congress. That was the third day I had on the job. I had nothing to do with what happened there that day. And I will not have you accuse me of that. That is wrong of you to do. You're lying about me and you will not defame my character in that manner. Did Joe Biden win the election, Congresswoman Green? Joe Biden is the president of the United States. Understand that that's how they avoid it. They say he is the president, but they won't say he won. Absolutely. But you pushed a big lie that said he did not win the election. There was and election fraud. You drove those proven. people to there the Capitol on January 6th with your lie. We're going to move on. Josh Rowe, it's election your turn fraud. to ask and my husband has. Yeah, she's my husband has proof. That's another one of the lies she's been telling. Um, Marcus Flowers is really good. And sadly, I don't think he stands a chance from the little polling I've seen. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene was asked, what's the accomplishment you're most proud of? And she basically says, Democrats haven't let me do anything, but I got some grants. And your question for Marjorie Taylor Greene. All right, Ms. Greene, since taking office on January 3rd, 2021, what is the one specific accomplishment solely on behalf of the 14th congressional district that is most important to you? Well, I tell you what, it's been hard to pass any bills in a Democrat controlled <laughs> Nancy Pelosi controlled House of Representatives. Yeah. Real, real re personal responsibility. huh? I couldn't do anything because of the Democrats. And it is a, 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 a Senate that is controlled by one vote with Kamala Harris as Kamala, the Democrat vice president and a White House that is controlled by by Democrats, Joe Biden. Now, what we've done to accomplish things for Northwest Georgia is I'm proud to be able to bring in money via grants to help our local <laughs> sheriff's department and help local businesses there. We've also worked very hard with the flooding that happened over in Somerville. And so we've worked hand in hand with officials there and look forward to helping them more as damages and, and amounts of money come out. So I'm very excited to, to vote 
um, and to introduce bills that uphold the conservative traditional values of the people in my district. And I'll continue. even her grin seems to suggest she knows this is BS. Continue to do that. All right, Josh, you get the final question. Did you have a rebuttal? Yeah, I, I didn't hear an answer there. Ladies and gentlemen, Representative Green said she's passed all these bills and brought money into our district. Well, you haven't. You know, no, I voted no to Joe Biden's radical Democrat bill. Dim- okay, anyway, so just a complete and total disaster. Um, one more segment here. Marcus Flowers, actually a couple. This was really interesting. Marcus Flowers asked Marjorie Taylor Green, why does she seem to care more about the insurrectionists than people in her district? And she did not like that. You know, you spent your time in Congress these last couple of years providing aid and comfort to the January 6th insurrectionists. My question for you is, why do you care more about those criminals in jail than you do about the people of our district? You want to know something? I care about about stopping the two-tier justice system that is happening right now in America. Which she thinks is Trumpists and everyone else. But the real two-tier justice system is the privileged and elite and everybody else. I was a victim of the January 6th riot, and I've said it over and over again. I'm completely against what happened on January 6th. But I will not stand by and watch Merrick Garland turn the Department of Justice into a political weapon and the FBI sending it after parents that are addressing their school boards, people that walked in the Capitol and have been held in jail for nearly two years while Antifa and BLM riots, rioters go free and are never held accountable. Now, of course, that's not true. And the hilarity of a Republican suddenly caring about pretrial detention is really, really quaint. Last clip, she does pull out the QAnon stuff pedophilia, child abuse, et cetera. Party. The Democrat Party is the party of child abuse. It's the party that represents grooming children and sexualizing them in school, teaching anti-white racism in the terms of CRT education (laughs) and genital mutilation of kids, kids that can't even get a driver's license, can't get a tattoo and cannot vote. How do you stand there and represent the Democrat Party as a father? And do you believe in genital mutilation of children under the age of 18 and and these puberty blockers that have severe health consequences? So a really buzzword QAnon bingo there from Marjorie Taylor Greene. She sadly will probably win. And that says more about the country than it does about Marcus Flowers, who is an excellent candidate. We'll take a quick break and then look at the Ron Johnson Mandela Barnes interview uh, right after this. Right now, many of us are asking ourselves, what's the best way to help the people affected by the recent hurricanes? And the truth is giving them cash is one of the best things you can do because cash is so cost effective. When you give families cash, you're also empowering them to choose for themselves how to best improve their situation. And I've talked before about our sponsor, Give Directly. Give Directly is a nonprofit that just lets donors like you send cash directly to families who need it the most. Give Directly is a great organization I've been following for years. A lot of their focus is on impoverished families in Africa. But right now, Give Directly is also allowing you to send cash directly to families impacted by hurricanes Ian and Fiona. During Hurricane Ian, more than two and a half million people were ordered to leave their homes. Expenses are rising. They need food, shelter, transportation. Hurricane Fiona hit Puerto Rico on September 18th. More than 12,000 people displaced. The island is still in a state of emergency and people need help. Visit givedirectly.org slash Pacman to learn more and send money directly to someone who needs it. Use the link in the podcast notes.
So there's one more debate I want to look at. I wanted to look at the Kerry Lake CNN interview. I promised I would. I just am not going to have time today. So we'll pick that up tomorrow. It's less time sensitive. One other important debate that took place over the weekend was the one for the Wisconsin Senate race, wherein the incumbent Republican Ron Johnson is facing a very, very strong challenge from a former guest on this program, Mandela Barnes. And the debate was very interesting in that Ron Johnson performed so poorly and so misread the room and missed the mark that he was booed and he was laughed at multiple times during the debate. Here is a first segment in which the crowd just laughs when Ron Johnson says, and remember, this is this is Wisconsin. Okay, Ron Johnson, not not a border state in the sense that we think about with the U.S.-Mexico border. The crowd laughs when Johnson says it cost us more money not to build that crazy overpriced wall. It's also funny because Trump is claiming he did build it. So they're totally incoherent on this. Listen to the crowd. You do have a chance for it. It it has cost us more not to complete the wall that we already contracted for than to actually build it. All right. Democrats have voted against three of my amendments in committee and on the floor. All but Senator Manchin voted against completing the wall that we'd already bought and paid for. Okay, so um, it's not true that we had paid for it, you know, allocating money, which, by the way, was done incorrectly by Donald Trump appropriating funds. You're not allowed to appropriate for such a project. Uh, but he's it, it hadn't been paid for. And the crowd correctly laughing at that very stupid idea. Another moment where you heard audible laughter was when Ron Johnson claims the FBI set him up by giving him some kind of fake briefing. I mean, it's just conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory. And again, the crowd seems to recognize it and just straight up laughing at this guy. The Ukrainian people, what we want, want what we want. They're defending their children, their freedom. Uh, I think it is good for us freedom-loving peoples to hang together and provide them the defensive weaponry so they can defend their territory. But again, I want a full accounting. And in in response to the wild charge of uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor Barnes, the FBI set me up with a corrupt with a corrupt briefing and then leaked that to smear me. I am. It sounds like a bad comedy show. He is referring to corruption with the FBI, which I've been trying to uncover and expose. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you you almost can't help but laugh other than the fact that this guy is winning. But we'll we'll get to that in a moment. Here was one moment where you just take it and you, you do it the right way. This is the moment at the end of many debates when the moderators say, you know, politics can be so divisive. What's something you admire about your opponent? And it happened during the Hillary Trump debates in 2016. And I don't remember what Trump said, but I think he held it together more than than Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson couldn't even just say something positive. Take a look at this and the crowd reacting very negatively. All right, we are down to one final question here. And both of you have said a lot tonight about each other. Now, When we traveled around the state talking with voters, we heard repeatedly from people tired of divisive politics and attack ads. So our final question here tonight is, both of you have been successful in life. You have 30 seconds here. Mr. Barnes, you go first. What do you find admirable about your opponent? Well, no, no, seriously, I I do think, you know, the senator has proven to be a family man, and I think that's, that's admirable. Um, you know, that's absolutely to be respected. He, he speaks about his family. He's uh, done a lot to provide for them. I absolutely respect that. 
Mr. Johnson. Okay, see how that was not, that was unqualified. He just said, here's a good thing. Listen to Ron Johnson and the crowd just does not like it. I mean, likewise, I appreciate the fact that uh, Lieutenant Governor Barnes had loving parents, a school teacher, father worked third shift, so he had you know good upbringing. I guess what puzzles me about that is with that upbringing, why is he turned against America? I mean, why, why, why does he find the founding of America awful? It's, it's, it's Somehow, we, it puzzles we me. did not. I said, Please, we said you. something admirable. A total lack of class and uh, disgusting. And then later when Ron Johnson was interviewed on Fox News about the fact that the crowd completely turned against him, he just claimed the, the crowd was a setup. Debate on uh, Thursday, some pieces of it. And when you said you were set up by the FBI, the crowd laughed. Who was in that crowd? And have they been following the news? Do you want to put that in context? Well, I, th I think they, they let in a bunch of college students. Uh, we were supposed to both get 50 uh, audience members, and the crowd was much larger than that. So my guess they're, they're college students who, let's face it, uh, our colleges today aren't exactly teaching history. They're really not talking about, uh, you know, the relevant. By the way, attacking young voters as well. Things that uh, students really ought to learn in college. They're, they're being taught leftist right. propaganda, unfortunately. Yeah. So one of the worst debate performances of this entire election cycle, how is the election actually looking? Well, the, the bad news is that Johnson is winning. The good news is that despite the power of incumbency, Johnson is winning by only 2.8 points on average. And the newest polling is eight to 14 days old. Let's see in a few more days whether this moves. There is very limited time left until that election, but we are tracking it closely. It would be amazing for Mandela Barnes to be able to defeat Ron Johnson. We have a voicemail number. That number is 2192 David P. Here's a caller trying to understand what does it mean I haven't had fast food in 20 years? Hey, David, it's Russ from Vegas. I was watching your live coverage of this. Herschel Walker, Raphael Warnock debate. Yes. And you mentioned again something about not having eaten fast food in 25 years. Does that mean that you only eat home prepared meals? I was just wondering. Anyways. No, 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 no. no. By no means. When, when I say fast food, I'm talking about McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, Taco Bell. Some people say Taco Bell, those types of places. I haven't been to those types of places with the one exception of the KFC incident, which I've described before on live streams. I have not been to any of those places, Subway, for more than 20 years. Normal restaurants I go to all the time, but normal restaurants are not fast food. They're kind of like the industrial chain restaurants I have not gone to. That's what I meant. Okay, we have a great bonus show for you today. We're going to talk about the latest Elon Musk U-turn on funding Starlink in Ukraine. Really weird. Again, what's going on? California drivers can now sport digital license plates on their cars. Oh, boy. What does this mean? And we will also talk about this activist group that threw soup on a Van Gogh painting. Do I like this as a protest tactic or not? I think many of you in the audience probably have a guess. All of those stories and more on today's bonus show get instant access by signing up at joinpacman.com. Great bonus show for you today. Otherwise, we'll be back tomorrow.